a podcast to gear up your professionalism. Welcome back, listeners. This is part two of the Career Gear podcast regarding budgeting with expert budgeting teacher, Allie Probst. Just a little reminder, Allie is a graduate of Clarion University, and she currently works at Penn State University in the Financial and Life Skills Center, and this is what she does. She teaches people about budgeting and helps them understand it and create their own budgets. So welcome back, Allie. Thank you so much. All right. In part one, we talked about what a budget is, why it's important, how we can get started. And and you kind of left off our listeners with an assignment per se, right? Track what you're doing for a month, see where your money's going, what's it telling you. Once they've done that tracking, what other things do they need to consider? Where do we go from here? Yeah, so we kind of left off on the last session, wrapping up component one of a budget, which is tracking your spending and kind of seeing where your money is going. The second component is all about um, planning and goal setting. This is much more long-term and it's all about making sound financial choices. And these two, again, kind of go together really well in that if you're not tracking and making sure that your spending does align with these larger goals, um, it's not really going to be helpful at all. So to kind of dive into this second component a little more, this is all about your financial goals and your life goals and those passions and values and how you want this all to fit together. And that might start with a little um, soul searching and maybe a conversation with yourself where you kind of think about, okay, what are my passions? How do I want to prioritize my money? And what are my financial goals? And if right now, kind of what you're thinking about is just spending less than you earn, that's a great place to start. Don't feel discouraged by that at all. So typically budgets have a few different categories and the method that you decide to go with in order to build your budget might help guide this, especially if you use something like an app. Um, Personally, I use an Excel sheet. That's what works really well for me. And those budget categories are saving, housing, utilities, food, transportation, entertainment, debt, and other. So Allie, just to kind of stop you for a minute, if I'm, you know, a traditional college age student, my budget categories might differ. Can you give us some examples of maybe some categories that students you've worked with have had? Absolutely. So um, it really depends on, you know, the student's personal experiences and kind of what they want to do. But saving is huge. That's usually one. Um, Housing and utilities, those are sometimes kind of looped together, especially when students have rent payments that they make um, that include utilities or when they live on campus. Um, Food is also huge, and I always encourage them to break it down even further into um, groceries and eating out because those can be totally different. Um, debt usually isn't one that students are kind of, um, navigating, but that can change for everyone, of course. And then more specific education categories are something that I see a lot as well. Things like 
books and um, activity fees, all of those kinds of things that maybe you're not really thinking about and also maybe don't come on a monthly basis as well. You might need to prioritize those expenses once a year or once every few months. And those are things that come less often, but things that you still don't want to forget about. I, I love that you mentioned activity fees because that was one of the things when I was in school and you mentioned you were in a sorority, as was I, and, you know, saving and budgeting for those dues and expenses related to, you know, being a part of those organizations um, was, was something really important to me and really special. So I love that you kind of gave that as an example because so many of our students are involved in organizations and this budget could be a way to help with paying dues, being involved, and, and the fees associated with that. So thank you for that example. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for those things that kind of might be bigger payments like sorority dues, you can always break those down into bi-weekly or monthly increments. So when that bill does come, you know that you have that on the side. It's not really a stressful thing that you need to pay for because you've been prioritizing it in your budget for the last few weeks or months. Absolutely. I, I, I used the envelope method in college before I knew what the envelope method was. And, you know, every, every Friday night, I would take a chunk of my, my paycheck and I would put it in my envelope for my Greek life dues. And, you know, that was something that felt very empowering to me and, and, you know, really that freedom. So, Thinking in terms of budgeting and tracking and planning and doing this soul searching of what makes us happy, I've figured out what makes me happy. I've got my categories. Now, where do I go? What do I do next? Totally. So when those categories are set and you kind of figure out, you know, what it is that you want to pursue, whether it's um, gaining that financial independence and maybe taking care of those activity fees or dues by yourself or starting to invest your money or save. Um, I encourage you to, or I encourage anyone who's beginning this process to set those monthly goals for each category. And again, those categories can be different. So in your overall plan, you want to set those goals and you don't want to forget about the things that you have to pay for. Again, like rent, utilities, um, the electricity bill, your Wi-Fi, all of those things. So when you look at kind of the big picture, you're going to have this plan that includes all the things that you have to pay for, those fixed and variable expenses, along with those things that you want to prioritize in your life like those activity fees, saving, all of those sorts of things. And then the tracking, the weekly tracking is what's going to actually help you achieve those goals. So um, it's almost like the more we do this, the more refined our system gets, the more accurate our system gets. Absolutely. Yeah. So Every week, you can kind of think about making changes um, based on what's behind and what's ahead. Maybe you set a weekly food budget for yourself for $50 and you accidentally spend $70 or $80 one week. Um, that's okay. You know, don't panic. Just know that the next week you might be eating peanut butter and jelly and not going out. And that's okay. But it's much better to have that ebb and flow from week to week 
than that um, ebb and flow from month to month where one month you're going all out and the next month you are eating ramen for 30 days in a row. You know, no one wants to do that. I, I joke with my family now at this point, you can always tell when we've got to the end of our two week grocery time period because we are literally cleaning out the freezer. We're wrapping up, you know, using bread slices for hamburger buns. And, and those are things that, you know, you might be doing as you go through this process, whether you're a college student or whether you've been out of college for, for we won't say how many years. So, you know, I think it's important to realize that this tracking is, is something that you can start now and carry with you well into the future um, and just really refine. Because like you said earlier, how we play with small money really can shape how we play with the big money as well. Allie, are there additional things to consider in our budget after we graduate Absolutely. Yeah. So we just kind of talked about this planning component and after graduation, planning is huge, right? This is where this really comes in. Um, So I think the first step that recent graduates need to be kind of thinking about um, is planning with their money, thinking about, you know, where they're going to live, what they're going to drive or how they're going to get to their jobs. Um, what they're going to eat, you know, where those values come in, in all of this. And I would say the first step in that, in planning out all of these really big decisions is figuring out how much money you're actually going to have coming in. And unfortunately, that's a step that a lot of graduates that I have worked with seem to kind of forget. Um, But in this planning process, I would probably argue that this is the biggest step so I would support that argument, Allie. I really would. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of figuring out what you're going to be bringing in, um, going from your gross pay, which is, you know, when you do mental math with your paycheck, maybe you work 10 hours a week, get paid $10 an hour, and you would expect $100. That's your gross pay. Um, when you get a job offer, that's also your gross pay. So reality is you're going to be bringing in much less than that to actually make these choices with. And what you're actually bringing in is called your net pay. And I always recommend students estimate 30% for that gross to net deduction. That sounds like a lot, um, but it's not only taxes. It's also things like maybe your retirement contribution, healthcare, all those good things that you really want to have, but just need to be able to plan for. And so 30- if I understand you correctly, I should, if I'm offered, you know, $45,000 as my job offer, I should really subtract 30% from that when I'm thinking about what I'll actually be bringing in, right? Yep, that's perfect. So subtract 30% off the top and then divide that net yearly salary amount that you're left with by 12. And then you have kind of um, just an estimation of what you're going to be bringing in each month when you're working in that job. And that's important because when you're making these choices, you know, signing a lease, figuring out where you're going to live and how much you can afford, you want to make sure that you're using an accurate representation of what you're actually going to be bringing in. So Allie, all of this makes a lot of sense, but 
One of the things I was probably the most concerned about when I was getting ready to graduate from college was sort of the elephant in the room. We haven't really talked about student loans. Um, How would I pay them back? How much would my payment be? Would I be able to afford to pay them back? Like That was a big stress point for me. And I imagine that a lot of our listeners face the same concerns. Can you walk us through how we should approach student loans, how we need to think about them, and maybe the impact the student loan might have on our budget? Absolutely. I think that is such an important point, and I'm so glad that you kind of brought that up. Um, I think for most students, the first step is to get informed on where your student loans are, what they're up to, what they're doing, um, how they're gaining interest, and just really all of this detailed information on them. And the good news is that you don't have to wait until after graduation to get informed on your student loans. Anytime is a great time to kind of take this first step, which is great. So to find this information on your student loans, first you have to figure out, you know, where your student loans are. Are they in the private system? Are they in the federal system? Are they maybe in both systems? Um, And dive a little deeper. So for federal loans specifically, you would want to look into your account on studentaid.gov. They make it really easy to see exactly how much you have out there that you're going to have to pay back, um, what those interest rates are, who your loan servicer is. These are all really important pieces of information. They also offer a really great repayment estimator tool that you can look at. And the great thing about federal loans is they offer a bunch of different repayment plans. And with this tool, you can put in an estimation of your future income and they'll give you estimations based on what you currently have out there in federal student loans. So if you're someone who maybe is only partway through school and plans to borrow a little more, this won't be completely accurate. Um, But I would encourage you if you're someone who is maybe has a few years left in school to check this every single time you borrow money to kind of figure out every single time you borrow how that payment is continuing to grow and just keep yourself in the loop. But for graduates or recent graduates, soon to be graduates, this is even more important um, because this number will be pretty darn accurate. And it's important to think about how that or how whichever payment plan you choose is going to fit into that future budget. If you have private loans as well, that won't be on the student aid website. You'll have to seek those out and all of this information out through your own private loan servicer. So you wanna be able to fit both components into your budget. From here, you can start to think about, you know, what your goals for repayment are. Are you someone who is super stressed about the idea of having debt and wants to pay it off in maybe three years after graduation? You want to take a really aggressive approach. Or are you someone who isn't too stressed about it and wants to just take maybe a standard plan and pay it off in the next 10 years or maybe even a little longer? You have to think about what that means for you. And Wherever kind of that conversation takes you, you want to figure out what that looks like 
in your budget. This will also help you understand um, maybe what type of salary you need to be looking for to support these repayment goals. This will also help you understand if these repayment goals are even um, realistic. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. (laughs) Because that is something that, you know, I, I hear from students all the time of, oh, I was offered X amount. Is that a good amount? Well, I don't know. Can you live off of that? Well, I don't know. And then this begins this cycle. So that is such an important fact for our listeners to consider is, can you live off of the not gross salary, but the net salary? And then also afford your debt. So thanks for leading us into that, Ali. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is also where the idea of kind of making balanced choices comes in. You want to think about, you know, again, these values, these passions, um, your financial goals, and maybe write all of those things down in one place so that you can kind of look at all the different things you are balancing and hoping to prioritize with this salary after graduation. Um, I always like to say you need to make these balanced choices, right? You probably can't get a new car and plan to travel the world. That's just, unless you're making a very high salary after graduation, that probably just isn't going to happen. And one of the conversations I always have with students who maybe do want to travel the world and buy that new car and pay off their student debt is, all right, if you have these big goals, can you make sacrifices in other areas? And I think if you have these categories and you know what's coming in, you know what's going out and where it's, you know, what category it's going out from, you can sort of make some adjustments. Is that kind of what you mean by those balanced choices? Absolutely. Yeah. So for someone who maybe does want to do all of those things, that might mean that, you know, they're never eating out. They're always cooking at home or they're never buying coffee out. Or maybe they're living in an apartment with rent that's a little less expensive. So or, no matter or at what, home, right? Or at home. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. Um, no matter what, coming back to this idea of budgeting, it's really just saying that, you only have 100% of your income to spend. And that is max. Ideally, you only have around 90% to spend because you want to be putting some aside and saving that as well. Yeah. And if you're a listener who caught the podcast on retirement planning, you probably want to take a portion of your, your income and put it towards saving and retirement savings. So, you know, like Ali mentioned, it's probably not 100%. We probably do have, I don't know, what would you say? Maybe like 20%, you know, should go toward, you know, saving and future planning. Uh, the great thing about that 30% deduction that we mentioned from gross to net is that typically does include um, that retirement contribution, which is awesome. So this extra 10 or 20% that you are saving in your actual budget from your net income can be going towards things like building your emergency fund or maybe extra towards retirement um, or maybe saving little bits towards those financial goals um, or fun goals like travel. Right, right. So if we were just to sort of wrap all of this goodness up, because there's a lot here. And again, listeners, this might be one of those episodes where you hit the hit the replay button and, and take it apart in a couple of different chunks. 
What would you say, Ali, are the three major takeaways that our listeners should really say, okay, I need to know this, this, and this, and dive a little deeper, maybe on their own research? Absolutely. So I think um, to keep it really basic, the very first point is to find what works well for you. If you're someone who hates Excel, you are never going to stick to a budgeting habit if it's through Excel. Um, Maybe if you're someone who's a little more creative, you might like to start a bullet journal for your budget. That could be really fun. That is, I will be honest, that's what I use. I really can't stand to spend any more time in Excel than I have to. So I have a pretty planner and pretty markers and stickers because I am a teacher at heart. So yeah, that's, that works well for me. (laughs) What are some other methods that might work? You mentioned some apps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mint.com is a really great app that I know a lot of different people have success with and kind of how that works is it just connects to your bank account and kind of does the tracking for you, which is really cool. Um, Kind of where you just need to come in maybe with a different method is for the planning and figuring out, you know, based on your income, what, what choices should you be making towards financial security? There are lots of other different apps out there. I think Mint, um, just from the people I have worked with, I think Mint is probably the most popular. Um, But yeah, definitely. If you're someone who loves the app approach, do your research. There are so many out there. I should have mentioned this already, but Mint is also completely free, which is great. You know, something that I've heard said before, and I'm I'm not sure I completely understand it, but maybe our listeners have heard it too, this concept of pay yourself first. What does that mean? Yes. So um, I already mentioned one of uh, my personal money mantras is how you manage small money now is going to be how you manage big money later. And this whole concept of pay yourself first is also another one of my big money mantras. So this is just the idea that you are making yourself your own most important creditor, meaning you are paying yourself first, you are saving money before you pay anyone else, before you pay your student loans, before you buy anything, before you pay any bills, you are saving whatever percentage you have decided to save, whether that's 10 or 20, um, both are awesome. I think all too often we find ourselves planning to save what's left And a lot of times there's just nothing left. So if we make that mental switch and pay ourselves first and spend what's left, it just makes it such an easier process to save. so, So many bank accounts now make that easier where you can just sort of set up an automatic payment into your savings account or your retirement funds. And you know, I always say, if I didn't see it, I won't miss it. Um, and that was something for me that made it so much easier to put that money into savings because it just sort of automatically happened. And I didn't have to feel like I was taking away my money, if that makes sense. Yes. I think that's a great concept that works really well for a lot of people. And with our banking apps and investment apps and all of these um, just different things that we have access to, it truly does make saving so easy. Um, Personally, I'm someone who kind of really likes the feeling of moving money from like my checking account to my spend account. So I'm not someone who has those um, automatic transfers set up because I like that feeling. Um, But I think I'm unique in that way. 
Okay. <laughs> I think maybe, most people, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people find it painful. <laughs> So we talked about creating this habit. We talked about paying ourselves first. Do you have a last tip um, for our listeners as we wrap things up? Absolutely. So I think I would love to leave everyone with the idea that this isn't meant to be restrictive. Building a budget isn't meant to um, make you a cheap person, right? This is meant to help you prioritize your spending and be empowering in a way that you are kind of able to use your money to do the things that you want to do, even if that means, you know, cutting back on certain other expenses or spending that doesn't add a lot of value to your life. Absolutely. I, th- I think with budgeting, again, like we've mentioned probably 50 times throughout these two episodes is creating this habit so that you can carry it with you, not just during college, not just as a recent graduate, but well into your 90s and beyond, and really come up with a healthy relationship with money and income and finances and and learn how to do these things. But also know that we don't have to be experts, right, Allie? There's actually people out there that if you're doing this research and you're doing this tracking, that if you have questions, are there resources out there for students, places they can go, people they can talk to, to really kind of help them navigate this if they get stuck at any point? Absolutely. That's a great question. So um, an online resource that I honestly use quite often, and I also often refer students that I work with to is um, nerdwallet.com. They have a plethora of information out there and they make it really kind of fun and simple to learn about your finances, um, which is great. And I think that's what we need to be able to kind of take this next step. But they've got info on budgeting, on student loans, on saving, on investing. So if any of those kind of topics ring a bell for you and you're someone who wants to dive a little deeper, I absolutely encourage you to check out these really great online resources like NerdWallet. I will also add, Allie, that if you're a listener who is on Clarion campus, PSCCU is a great resource. They enjoy sitting down with you, helping to explain it. And of course, I would be remiss to say, stop into the Career Center, have a conversation with us. We are happy to help you navigate this process and put you in contact with other experts if we um, aren't the expert that you need to speak with. So there are plenty of resources out there to make this process manageable not stressful, and dare I say fun. (laughs) (laughs) I think it can get fun. (laughs) I'm not a numbers person, but I can honestly say that yes, it can get fun. So Allie, I just want to thank you again for your time. We have taken up so much of it with two episodes. Again, listeners, this is part two. So if you listen to it first, go back and listen to episode one to really understand why we budget and how we get started with tracking and planning. So Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope that this helps you to gear up for your budget planning success.